sermon series called The Last Sermon. Um, obviously, it's going to not going to be one sermon, but uh, it's going to be the last sermon uh, pointing to um, at the end of Jesus' life, um, earthly life, on, on uh, right before he was crucified, arrested, crucified, specifically looking at John chapter 13 through 17. So we're going to take an in-depth look. We're going to unpack this detailed account by uh, John at what happened in the final hours of Jesus' life, uh, right before his death. And again, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, it's not that they uh, just ignore these facts. Um, the Gospels work cohesively to tell us the story of Jesus, to tell us the story of the good news of Christ. John gives the account, to, I believe, to reveal what was on the heart of Jesus before his arrest, before the scourging, before the crucifixion. And so we get to hear... We get to hear what he was instilling into these guys right before he is, is arrested. Um, the other Gospels make mention of that time where he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. We have um, you know, some little snapshots of some things that were done, said, you know, where, he, um, where we have communion. You know, the other um, Gospels work in that kind of text. Um, but John gives us a kind of a long kind of... Um, he spends these four chapters or five chapters in exactly what happened with Jesus and what he was doing with his disciples. Obviously, we know the rest of the story. Jesus dies and raises from the dead in victory. And, 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 and what, but what we want to do is take a look at what Jesus was saying, not only to his disciples, but us as his followers as well in these chapters. And so... I love that we get this intimate glimpse, and I believe it's there on purpose. And again, I believe it was more than for just those guys. I believe it was for all of us as his followers. The things, the important things that he was pouring into their hearts, pouring into their spirits, as they were to think about what they were about to do. They were about, after he rose from the dead, they were about to go to the roof into the upper room. The church was about to be born. And so he is giving them these final words. And last week I said this as we kind of did a, uh, an intro to this sermon. We were at the end of John chapter 12 where he makes his proclamation to the crowd before he goes into this room with his disciples. And, uh, and the crowd, this crowd, it was kind of this final cry out. Remember when he, he cried out to them and he, he was saying who he was. I am the light of the, the, the world. I am after God in the flesh. He said, when you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And so he proclaims who he is. He proclaims his mission. And then he moves into John chapter 13 in this room. And he is preparing them to be the church. And the church is getting ready to be born. And think again, if you knew the day that you were going to die, and, 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 and you could somehow foresee it, or the Lord somehow let you know that, the things that you would tell the people around you, the things that you would instill, the things that you would, important things that you would speak into them. And so you get to see this with Jesus. And so we're going to, as we did the intro, we're going to now dive into John 13. And before I start, I've got to confess that this week I had a really bad attitude. Anybody else been there? I'm the only one. Come on now. Thanks for your... I'm getting, I'm getting you with me now. Um, 
There's a reason I'm telling you this, but I have a bad attitude week. I'll tell you more on that in a moment. I think it's going to tie together. Um, it just makes me feel good to just confess it and just start talking about it. Um, that's why I'm here to counsel. I just want to tell you guys my problems. It helps me. So we're going to read the text through, and then we're going to just kind of unpack it. We're going to look more in depth of what he says, why he says the thing, why he does what he does. And so again, I have to encourage you to meditate on what is going on. Let the Word of God speak to your heart. What is Jesus trying to convey? John 13. So I can be comfortable. In context, he gets up the crowd. He's making a proclamation of who he is. He mentions, so he gets in there. And here's the first thing that he does. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world. So he knew what was coming, right? He knew that he was about to die. And he was about to return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he showed them, and I love this phrase, some conversations don't say like this, but I love how it says, he showed them the full extent of his love. The full extent of his love. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. Verse 4. So he got up from the table. He took off his robe, that outer robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel and water around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you willing to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe, and he sat down, and he asked them this question. Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher, Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I know that's quite a long reading. Most of you are familiar with this story. But it's interesting that he, they, he is about to be arrested again. This is the last 24 hours of his life. The first thing he does, he gets them into this room. They're about to celebrate the Passover. And he begins to wash their feet. Now, Luke's gospel tells us something interesting that has happened. John doesn't tell us. But Luke tells us that there was, in this moment, that there was an argument that had broke out among the disciples of who was the greatest. Now, from one perspective, this is bad. Another perspective, it's quite humorous because uh, these guys didn't really get it. He had been very vulnerable. He's talking about the Son of Man's going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. He's going to die. And they get up there, and they're, and they're in this room, and Luke tells us they begin to argue who's the greatest. 
you would think that they would say, let's be here for him at this time, and you know, maybe we really don't understand what's going on, why he's saying the things he's saying, but let's be, they begin to argue about it, I think I'm, I'm thinking the greatest. And these guys were, what I love about them, what I love about Jesus choosing them, it makes me feel qualified. Right? I mean, and, and you've, heard me, you've heard me talk about this before, but it's really funny that James and John, the sons of thunder, that's what they're called, that one time they asked their mom to go ask Jesus if they could sit on his right and left in the kingdom. That's the hilarious. Your mommy, will you go talk to him for us? And the sons of thunder, you know, it's like, you guys are all thunderous. But I want you to look at what Jesus said. The argument breaks down. Let's just look at Luke real quick. Luke 22, verse 25. He says this, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. It will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, the lowest rank. And the leaders should be a servant. Who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Among you, it should be different. I am among you, Jesus says, as one who stood. By watching the disciples see, Jesus was making a profound statement about himself and his kingdom. And I think that we are all, we all can be guilty like the disciples. Maybe we don't compare ourselves in greatness. Maybe we do. But a lot of times what we have is what we have, what, what, what we would say is the greatest things, the greatest works to do the greatest things, right? And we will we will put these things on somewhat of this like priority ladder. Like, you know, if you're up here like me with the mic, that's the greatest. Let me tell you, it is not. And somehow we create this, you know, hierarchy scale about greatest and then we think when we hear, well I want to do great things for God and I want what well, the will of God is for my life. Maybe it's to do great things and then we will in our minds maybe think all kinds of things. And some of us may be called to vocational ministry, full time missions work where we travel and we go and I tell you what, if you talk to missionaries long enough, you need to know that you're called to do it. You know, some missionaries go um, into the uttermost parts of the earth, and they will have great fruit. You know, people might be responding to the gospel, and they come back and they tell us their testimonies, and we're all clapping and going, yay. But you know what? What we don't know is somebody may have gone before them and plowed up a bunch of hard ground, because we also know that some missionaries will go, and they have the job to plow up hard ground, and they don't come back with great stories that we clap. They go, you know what? We didn't see anybody come to the Lord. In fact, all the people hate us. And nobody goes, yay! What a great testimony. But it's all important, right? One missionary family that we support here, the Stendhal, they have a very, very similar story to that. When they first went to Columbia, the people didn't trust them. And they spent their lives, day in and day out, serving these people and at some point began to build relationships. And those relationships, long-term faithful relationships, ended up being able, but they've been there, I mean, their family's been there for 60 plus years. 
If you were to ask them in those first two years, you know, how's it going, they probably wouldn't say, well, you probably don't want to hear a testimony right now. And so we have this thing in our minds in the kingdom about greatness and what it means to be great. And Jesus is trying to change it. And walking their feet, he was making this profound statement about what it means to be great. And so going back to verse 1, he says that he knew his hour had come to leave the world and return to the Father. So he loved his disciples and he showed them the full extent of his love. So he knew what was coming. He knew betrayal, crucifixion, scourging. He knew all of that was coming. And so what did he want to teach them? What did he want to give them in this hour? And John 13 is the first thing that he instills in them. The full extent of his love is serving them. To reveal his love, he served them, proving his love through an act of serving. Interestingly enough, we're told that the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus, and guess what? Jesus walked with him too. What does this say to us? He didn't just serve those who would continue to follow him. Follow him. He even served the one who would betray him. Church, as we go out and we begin to have a culture of serving, we don't serve people just for results. We don't become friends with people just so that they become our gospel project. We love people whether they receive God or not. We are called to love and to serve. Somebody get excited with me. Come on. Verse 3 Jesus knew that his father had given him authority over everything. That he took to God, but return to God this is very important. He has all authority, so what does he do? He gets up from the table and he takes out his robe and he puts a towel around his waist and he pours water into a basin and begins to wash the disciples' feet. So it's interesting. What does he do with his authority? He serves. He modeled for them what he wanted them to do. Now, you got to understand, this is a very profound moment. Here's Jesus knowing that what's getting ready to happen. He's getting ready to be arrested, scourged, crucified, take the sins of the world upon himself. And he served them. This would have been a very awkward moment. Now, I'm trying to take you in, and if you have retroactive imagination, kind of follow, if you will. Think about in this room, this would have been a very awkward moment for the disciples. They understood what was going on, walking the feet. As we heard in Luke 22, Jesus talked about taking the lowest rank. Well, right here, he does it. The job of the lowest rank slave in the home. And remember, Jesus said, those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like his servant. And so, this would be the job of the lowest rank slave in a, in a home. If you're a slave, and you get bought by a family, you began at the door when three people would come over to wash their feet. That, it, was, it was a very common thing for obvious reasons. People traveled. You know, if they had animals, they would do that. There's a lot of walking. Even you would give your animals a break. And so there's a, a lot of walking and sandal feet and there was stepping in stuff. And you know what I mean? You know, work with me. We got some dirty, stinky, nasty feet. You think people's feet are dirty now? I, I, I used to be a youth pastor. I was around teenage boys when they take their shoes off. And the rule was put the shoes back on. You sleep with those shoes on. And 
And the disciples would have seen this as very awkward. They knew he was the king of kings and lord of lords. Now, again, they didn't, they didn't quite understand everything that was going on. They thought maybe they would take over. They, they thought maybe his death was, he was just kind of speaking in types and shadows and symbols that maybe he wouldn't actually die. But this would have been very awkward to them. He was their leader. He was Messiah. They knew he had power. They knew he had authority, yet he was doing this act. In that day, there was, and, 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 and we have it today, there was a, in that day, especially there's a, a culture of valuing position, right? To work their way up and to have position was a very valuable thing. We have it a little bit here. So probably not as prominent. But we have, you know, even in school where we have groups and we will label groups and there's a value to position or knowing somebody or being in the in crowd or whatever you define that would be. So in this culture, it was very prevalent, a culture of value and position. And so even the slaves were so happy if they were washing feet and a new slave got hired. They're like, at least I get to see the coats now, Mr. Footman. They were glad to be out of that position. They understood this is the lowest of the low. You can't get any lower than this. They would have felt embarrassed. Couldn't he have gotten someone else to do this? Couldn't he have maybe hired a slave to come in for this moment? He shouldn't be doing this. This would be the equivalent if you're visiting, you know, a, a, a government official, a leader, the White House, a king, or whatever you name, and you walk in and you are a guest there, and they say, they usher you back to meet the king, the president, whoever it would be, and you go in, they say, you'll be staying here, and you walk in, and they are on their hands and knees cleaning your toilet for you. Think about that. If you walk in and, and there's a, you know, you know, this king or this leader who, and your initial father, this is a little uncomfortable. Because don't you have a hard time sometimes when people serve you? Isn't it a little uncomfortable? Some of, some, some of you guys like it. Some of you guys, it's very uncomfortable. You would rather be the one serving, right? And when someone serves you, you feel uncomfortable, right? That's a God thing. And you would feel if you walked in, and I know me, if you sit there and you see this person who's like a king of the kingdom and they're down and they're cleaning your back, you would feel embarrassed, right? Like you'd almost feel like the need to get down there with them or don't you have someone to do that for you? One of these servants running out, they wouldn't. This would be kind of a picture to the, the disciples. This would be kind of an awkward, embarrassing kind of thing that's going on. Jesus is making a profound statement. Again, this is what it says. It's going in the full extent of his love. He was defining greatness. He was going against how culture defines greatness. And so he was defining greatness in his kingdom. It's a new kingdom. And in his new kingdom, greatness would be serving. And I know that, you know, you, you, you see Peter. Peter understood the awkwardness of this moment. You hear this exchange when he came to Simon Peter. He said, Lord, you're going to wash me. Jesus said, well, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. 
No, Peter, because you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. Then Peter exclaimed, and wash my hands, my head, just not, not just my feet. He kind of he, he doesn't quite get what Jesus is doing and saying, and so Peter, as he was known to do, would kind of just say one of the first things that comes to his mouth, right? Well, then wash my head, and I you know, wash my water, just pour water all over me. And Jesus was, is saying, you know, a person with bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. You disciples are clean, but not all of you. So Jesus was telling Peter, this isn't about a spiritual cleansing that I'm doing. Don't over-spiritualize this. It's to the point where you miss that. And again, serving is very spiritual, but don't try to make it so spiritual that you miss the point. This is about serving. Unless you allow me to serve you, you won't belong to me. And I believe this is a foreshadowing statement of his ultimate act of serving, his death on the cross. And unless we receive his act of serving us in that way, we cannot be clean. His death covered our sins. We can't save ourselves. And so there's an act of humility to serve, but there's also an act of humility to allow yourself to be served, right? This is why the gospel, sometimes we overcomplicate it, is Jesus said he came as the ultimate servant and laid his life down. And it maybe makes us uncomfortable, but no, but you don't understand my sins, you don't understand my past, you don't understand what I've done, and surely that can't be enough to cover in Jesus says, unless you receive the thing that I've given you, my gift of eternal life, you cannot be clean spiritually. And so serving is revealing what he did. And we have to receive him. A lot of us get into that mindset, but again, good works. We could maybe maybe get saved through good works, maybe get saved through morality, and it will never happen. We have to receive His gift. It's an overwhelming thing, isn't it? After washing their feet, he put on his robe again. He stopped and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? And then he gives them the lesson he's given. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, you're right. And he's saying, yeah, I am teacher and Lord. I am the leader. But we're in a new, this is a new kingdom that's being enacted here. That's what I am. And since I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth. Praise are not greater than the master, nor is the master the more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So he explains what he's doing to my kingdom. In my kingdom, greatness equals serving. I've given you an example to follow. So what does this mean to us? Now I think how it what it means to us, it's not just the act of foot washing. Foot, foot washing was not the point. That was just happened to be the lowest servant of the day, their, their job. Some churches have made this, like foot washing, a sacrament of the church. It's not a sacrament of the church. Baptism and communion are sacraments to the church. Not that it's wrong that if you've, if you've ever been in a foot washing type service or whatever, I'm not saying that's wrong. But it can just be an event and we miss the point. Jesus is saying in this vulnerable hour that the point of his kingdom is why he came. I am among you as one who serves. 
And so his kingdom is revealed when we as his followers serve. We serve each other and we serve those around us. We, we serve each other in the body of Christ and we serve the lost. We don't serve to get out of serving or to be seen. We don't serve for a photo op. Hold on, let me grab that mop, grab your camera. Did you get that? Wait, better side. Make sure you post that. The newspaper. <laughs> that's not why we serve. If somebody else photo ops you, that's funny, but don't let that be your motivation. But we don't serve to somehow graduate out of serving. We serve, and then we serve, and then we serve again, and then we serve because Jesus is saying, This is what it's about. Now that I've done this for you, now do this for each other. Take the lowest form of a servant in life. Every day, with those who are close to your spouse, your children, to your parents, to those around you, serve. Serving reveals my heart. It's a lifestyle of serving. We're called to serve. And it's a lifestyle of serving forever. And some people go, well, that's not my calling. And I would say you're wrong, based on Scripture. That's why Jesus said, all right, you know, Peter, you're going to be the spokesman, so you don't have to serve. John, you're going to do this. But no, I am among you as one who serves. I gave you as an example. Everybody, we are called to serve. We've, we've talked to people before, and at the end, I've talked to people before, and they say, well, I, I have a gift to, to lead worship. The person I'm here today said, so I'm getting comfortable. Um, I have a gift to lead worship, and we talk to them about serving. They go, well, that's not my calling. My calling is to be on stage. God told me. Um, and we miss out on what God is saying. We are called to serve. We reveal His love, the full extent of His love when we serve. A serving heart reveals the world His love. It's counterintuitive, right? Because we live in a culture that wants to be served. When we lay down our lives in serving, we reveal what He did through the gospel because the cross is the ultimate act of serving. He laid His life down. And the point of washing feet, again, and I think we can miss this, it's not that we just recreate washing feet. What, the point of washing feet to us is there is nothing that is beneath me. Nothing that is beneath me. He took the lowest rank the lowest slave's job, and he did it as a model so that we would say nothing's beneath me. Cleaning something, setting off something, breaking down something, taking initiative, not waiting for someone else to do it. You know, serving's not convenient, is it? It takes time. It costs us something, but it reveals the gospel. If we're followers of Jesus, we're called to serve. It's everyone's, all of our calling. It's all of our ministry. And that's, I believe that's why Jesus did this at the hour in which he did it. You know, of all the things, you know, that we think, you know, in the last, in my last 24 hours of life, one of the things I'm going to do is wash your feet because it was a profound statement to say, guys, 
of the church when you go when the Holy Spirit comes, you were going to go out. Yes, you're going to proclaim the gospel, but I want you to serve. I want you to be servants to reveal what I did. Nothing's beneath you. Because the cross for him wasn't convenient. It was hard. It was painful. He's still was serving, but the rewards are worth it. And the implications of serving are enormous. We serve, we lay down our lives to show that he laid his life down. We serve out of love to show that he served and laid his life down out of love. We serve to follow his example. Also, serving has a lot to do with unity when we serve one another. It isn't an option, it shows that we're Christians. You guys were wondering when I was going to tell you about my bad attitude, right? Now's the, now's the time. This past week was hard. Um, we all got sick. I know what family is. If you got these sick and you have little kids, you know if one of them gets sick, you know how it goes. And so last Saturday, a week ago from, week ago Saturday from yesterday, I was in urgent care with Zada for about three hours. He was miserably sick. We weren't sure what he was dealing with, you know, with the bronchial stuff. He's, and, and, and he's not sleeping. And, you know, just coughing and miserable. He got a fever. We were afraid he might have pneumonia. And so when, when the little side doesn't sleep, nobody else sleeps. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so he's waking up about every hour, hour and a half, two hours, and it's just through the night. And I'm sitting there. And urgent care, and I'm pleading, you know, and, 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 and I, lo- you know, I love my kids with all I am, but there's something about those kids, and he's two years old, he doesn't get it. He's just popping all over me, just splits and sprays, just beautiful. Okay. And my thought is this on when he gets sick. I know it. He is a kid. He doesn't care that's going to make me sick, but, you know, dude, turn your head, talk to him, get this kid a mask, get him a bubble or something. As if he's supposed to care. He's sick. He doesn't, he doesn't know and he doesn't care. And I'm thinking, you know, God somehow protect me, put a, a, a shield, germ shield, spiritual germ shield, something over my face, and it's just, you know, and he wants me to hold him. He wants to be close. And he wants me to not put him down. My, my arms are sore. I'm locked asleep. And I, you know, I, and I'd love to say that I was very godly walking around going, Jesus, thank you for this moment. Um, but I was not. Like, Lord, please do something. I know what's coming. And as you can tell, I'm sick. Fever, aches, and chills. And, and, you know, it's just, it's just miserable. My poor wife catches what I've got. You know, we're all just sharing it. And so, late one night, I'm inside room in sick. He's sick. We're all sick. I think Judah got it first. And now he's sound asleep. He's thinking, yeah. <laughs> Didn't care about any of the rest of us. I couldn't believe it. Um, so, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the guy's in room in, in the recliner. And, uh, and again, he wants me to hold him and... And he's just, he just sick, and he's coughing, and, and I'm not feeling good, and I've got a low-grade fever, and it was, just, it, it was all the whole work. Have I expounded enough on that for you? 
And I have a bad attitude to pass my wife, but um, I was not happy about it. It was just like, not not being mad at me. So, you know, just like, this is you know, what's going on? And so I'm sitting in there, and, and I've been preparing this sermon, and this would be my heart of serving. And I felt that a moment with the Lord, I had a moment with the Holy Spirit. That was very profound to me because he finally felt I was able to put him in bed. And I felt like the Lord said, this is, this is all about, this is all about John 13. This is all about what I was doing. This is all about a revelation of the gospel. It's because Jesus came and he, he took on our sin. We coughed our sin all over him. Even while we were yet sinners, even when we were far away from God and we did not care, Jesus died for us. He was sitting there in the care and he, he loved us so much. And, you know, you, you just picture that, that he held us in his arms and he wasn't frustrated at And he took on our sin. He took on our stain. He took on our guilt. He took on our frustrations and he allowed us to pass on him, if you will, our, our, our sinfulness and because he loved us and served us. And Jesus was saying, this is a picture of that. Mine is the best. <laughs> and he laid his life down for us. He became a man. Came, became a person took on our sins, our sorrows, our sicknesses, our grievances, our shame. It's the beauty of the gospel that he came to serve us. And in that moment with his disciples, and we read in John 13, he's watching the feet, that isn't more than just watching during feet. It's the same. I, I want a culture of serving. I want a revelation of who I am. I want to show people how much I love them, and I want you to do it, because again, they were going to they were going to go into that upper room and the Holy Spirit was going and the church would be born. He said, now go do this for each other. Serve. All the culture serving. Lay your life in. It's not convenient. People are going to cough on you. People may not even be very grateful for what you're doing for them. But do it anyway. Because even the ones that rejected, even Judas who was there who would reject him and, and turn him in and, and then completely betray him, Jesus walked just feet. And even people that might despise what we do, we continue to love them and serve them and love them and serve them. You don't love them and serve them until they like you. Because even for the ones that are in our world that have rejected Christ, He died for them. He served them. And He said, You guys do it too. The implications of serving are huge. And He's called us to serve to reveal the gospel. Jesus, thank you for coming, laying your life down, being among us as one who serves, that you reveal the greatness of your kingdom by serving. Lord, I pray, God, as today as a church, as a people, Lord, that uh, Lord, we would catch the heartbeat of what you did, why you did it at this vulnerable hour, right before your arrest, that you made a statement about serving. And you said, this is how my kingdom, this is a part of the way my kingdom will advance. This is a part of showing greatness in my kingdom. It's not about lording over people, but to serve them. And it 
revealed your love. It revealed you came. It revealed you laid down your life. And Lord, I pray as a, as a people, God, that we would take on an attitude in the culture of serving that there. Jesus said, as, as you did this with Washington, that there would be nothing beneath us. And we would look for ways to serve. We would take initiative in ways to serve. And if that's cleaning something, serving our neighbor, serving the lost, laying down our lives, God, that we would do it. We would have our eyes open for opportunities to serve and to reveal you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the ultimate servant king. And I pray that until you take us home, Lord, or, or, or until you return, that we would live to serve, to advance your kingdom. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God.